Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so excited you're here. So Pete and I sat down again. We got a little nudge from the universe uh, to, to record another episode. And as we were preparing for this episode, wondering what we we're going to talk about, I dove into our human design charts to see what our energies created together. And I noticed that together we've got turning stories into wisdom. We become a voice for self-expression and together we lead the way into the new paradigm. And that pretty much sealed the deal for us of like, oh yeah. So I guess we got to record another episode. So that's about all I have to say about this episode. We talk about human design. We talk about some other stuff and I'm going to get out of the way so you can listen and enjoy it. Now for you, please go forth and be awesome. I love you. We are. We're back. Sunday afternoon on the bedroom floor. Yes, this seems to be uh, when we, um, when Inspiration Station goes live. <laughs> it is. It is. The gang's all here. Makai is doing Makai things. Patiently waiting until it is almost dinner time. So we now have our clock for how quickly we have to wrap this episode up yes. prior to his dinner time. So how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 tired because we we ran and I only ran 20 minutes, um, but it was hot, so that made me tired. Um, whereas you did the longer bike before the run, and so I imagine you are tired Yeah, my body's definitely recovering from the massive amount of sweats. 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 <laughs> no, just sweat. No, Singular. No, it was plural. It was <laughs> absolutely. You didn't just sweat. You sweat. That's yeah. absolutely got to be a thing. Now. I am super grateful for my body's ability to. Ad- I don't even know if adapt is the right word, but to produce so much sweat so that I can move my body in temperatures like this. And it makes me tired afterwards because I have a whole lot of fluid and electrolyte to replace. I, I think it is adaptation, like not in the sense of evolution, but adaptation in the sense of like we get you same way that we are much more able to handle the heat than we were when we first moved here and way less able to handle cold than when we lived in Maine. Our, our bodies adapt within its kind of parameters and norms. And you definitely have adapted to exercising in this heat. Um, that that I mean, sweat production is an important part of managing heat and your body literally, as you start, your body's like, oh, right, got it, this. So let's just start sweating full bore now um I, and I think that is adaptation i'm a really good sweater you are, you are really <laughs> but i don't think people um are tuning in to listen to <laughs> us talk about you sweat <laughs> possibly not i don't know uh message us send kelsey and uh, a personal message if you want to know more about her sweating um i'm not going to tell you more about my sweating <laughs> we're going to talk today we're going to talk about conditioning which is a big part of human design Well, okay, it's a big part of being a human. Here's what happens. We are born knowing exactly who we are. We, our souls pick out everything for us. All of our gifts, all of the ways that we're gonna dance with the energy around us, our personality, our soul chooses everything. And then chooses the date and time and place that we are gonna enter into this round of earth school and we come into this world and we know it all and then we immediately start forgetting it and that's called conditioning so it's sometimes conditioning consists of people telling us things Mm. and sometimes it's more the message that we we get like the story we're telling ourselves based on what's going on around us yeah because i feel like that's an important point it's not just forgetting it it's and it's not just the the traditional conditioning that you think about where you know you are learning over and over and over again because someone is telling you over and over and over again but we're all i mean as we start exploring the environment around us as kids we're, we're learning we're constantly learning from everything 
Um, and, and yeah, so I think it's, I, I think it's that nuance of, of forgetting because you don't have something reminding you of it. And there's other things that are um, contravening what you already knew when you were born. But yeah, no, I think, I think that's, um, I think that that kind of nuanced stuff is not just what people are telling you, but it's also what you're picking up from the environment. And it may also be just stuff that you forget. Um, yeah, because so we're both manifesting generators. Mm -hmm. And as MGs, we pick up conditioning from the manifestor side and the generator side. And the manifestor conditioning is you're too much. You're too big. Tone it down a bit. Take it down a notch. Fit in. Just shh. And that for me, like, I actually don't remember anyone ever saying those things to me. And it's interesting. I was a really shy kid. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that was how I, I, mm. I felt mm -hmm. the feedback. Right. I felt it. So I made myself small. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be something... Some of the conditioning can be things that you take on yourself to change your behavior and condition yourself in order to avoid what you assume will be the reception or will you assume you will be the reaction or maybe even just a hint of the reaction you experienced and you just kind of extrapolate from that and say, all right, well, I don't want to deal with that, so I'm going to just yeah. nip myself in the bud here. Like sometime early on... I was my big shiny sparkly self, took up a whole lot of space and didn't get like yeah, a grand well. reception. Yeah. yeah. So I just like, Ooh, let's make it small. I remember when you were telling me about that, um, right early on and it was, um, it was interesting cause that really resonated for me. I distinctly remember, um, that like, I was in, our, our kitchen had really tall ceilings. It was an old house in Montreal and had really tall ceilings. And I was going to see if I could hit my head on the ceiling, <laughs> which wasn't entirely uncommon for my behavior at the time. And I remember one of my brothers was there and his girlfriend was there. Um, and I, I just, this was late at night and I was, I was standing and I'd like gather myself and I just, I jump as hard as I could to see how close. And I was asking them, like, how close was it? And they were both just staring at me with their mouth kind of open, being like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? Who does this? And, and like, not to, not to kind of, like, demean them, but that, that, I rem that distinctly sticks in my head as a time where, I was just kind of bubbly and I was out there and I was a lot and it was just like I felt okay someone is just telling me no one does this this isn't normal you're not normal and as you know an older brother I would strongly encourage you to try and fit in a bit more because life will be a little bit easier that way and so I assume you could already touch the ceiling with your hand so this was like yeah I could touch level. the ceiling with my hand I'm pretty calm. I'm pretty sure I could touch the ceiling <laughs> with my first. hand I mean I'm sure I would have done that because I, it was it was a tall ceiling though, but yeah, like that's it. Like it was just a, a new challenge, a new fun. This could be this could be interesting. This could be fun. Um, I, I I just had a lot of energy as a kid, and and that was I I don't I imagine there were other things before that, but that really sticks in my head as an example when when you described the the conditioning around being a manifester, and the kind of the shush, don't be so big. And I was like, how much more can you do? Like, can you have a, a perfect example of that where I'm just jumping for the sake of jumping and trying to hit my head? And it wasn't like I was five-year-old and I could have bro broken something or knocked something over. No, I was like, I was in high school. And it just, I was told that's not normal behavior. That's not really what people should do normally. And so I obviously, all right, took notes in my growing upness and learning how to be a normal human and was just like, got it. Don't try and hit your head on the ceiling. That's clearly not normal. Um, so yeah, that's what came to me when you when you first described. And the, the I mean, the bigger thing is don't shine so bright. Mm, mm -hmm. Don't don't be big. Don't be you. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's it's. I mean, th there's a certain without trying to like without trying to 
dull or wash it out by making a, a, a kind of universal statement about it, but it's like fit in is, is really what it boils down to. And our society doesn't really always handle uniqueness well. You know, you think of kids in school, if you can sit down, stay a focused, read the textbook, answer the tests, you do great in, in our schooling system for the most part. Um, but if you learn differently, if you pay attention differently, if you need to move your body in order to learn, oh, then you're never going to learn because you're never allowed to move your body. Well, I was, yeah, I was labeled as fidgety. Yeah. Before I had my, was diagnosed with ADHD, which I didn't officially get diagnosed until college. I think they gave me a whole bunch of different labels in first grade. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as a differently learning styled kid yeah i just like kelsey can't sit still and for the record you guys i'm not sitting still right no, now she's, she's moving i can't a lot. <laughs> i don't yeah i need i need to keep moving yeah and i mean i think i think it all gets to the same place it's it's there's i don't think that there's a big thing against manifestors specifically it's just manifestors as part of the mg that that is a message that is read loud and clear early on because in general different isn't really yeah embraced. and as an it like for actual manifestors not mgs mm-hmm. manifestors are born they're the energetic energetic sorry that dropped my r's there that's a sign that i'm tired they're the energetic leaders of their families from day one mm. and for parents and siblings like that's got to be kind of terrifying if mm. you don't know what you're dealing with. Like right. all of a sudden there's this teeny tiny being in your life that seems to be in charge of everything and just seems to be like really big and powerful. Mm. So you try and tone it down. Yeah. you like easy there. This isn't going based on the book that I read about how early childhood is supposed to be. And so therefore please conform to chapter 12. Um, so there's the other side of being an MG, since we're hybrids of manifestors and generators. Generators get this conditioning. So generators are born knowing they're here to lift people up. And throughout early childhood, they're, they're praised for cooperating, for compromising, for basically sacrificing themselves as a way to lift other people up, as a way to please other people. Mm. So that's a piece of conditioning that we can also come in to heal. That whole idea that we're supposed to sacrifice ourselves to lift people up. Yeah, because it, it was interesting. You term, use the term compromise. And compromise can both be a healthy like approach, but it also can be an unhealthy thing. And so we're talking about the unhealthy sign, uh, side of things. Um, and it was interesting because I was struggling when you first brought this up, you know, w- way back when I remember struggling to figure out because it resonated. There was part of it, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, this is, and I'm also the younger brother of, I'm the youngest of, of four boys. So like there's a certain degree of, I just always wanted everyone to get along. Um, and so that's what resonated most with me initially. And I was looking for things examples of you know big gestures or grand this or and it was really interesting because you you pointed out that i i'm getting better at it now but i used to sidle up when i was going to go ask someone who whose job it was to answer whatever question i had like a bank teller or a concierge at a hotel like i'd make myself small and try and approach like literally sideways like a crab um (laughs) So that I, like, I, I wasn't just, because some part of my head was just like, I don't want to be full forward and aggressive and just walk up to them and ask them a question because what if they're doing something important? What if they don't want to answer my question? So I would kind of go under some imaginary thing, like some limbo stick and just kind of go sidle up to them and then be like, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I have a question. Which must have looked really weird because they're standing there and that's their job is to answer these kinds of questions. Like I'm not, I'm not advocating for just like boldly walking up and hanging up the phone call that they're talking about and be like, Hey, answer my question. Like 
No, but it just, it felt like I needed to make myself smaller in order to, you know, take up less space and then please, sir, might I have some more kind of, um. And that's actually like MG energy because that's, that's the manifester. I'm too big. Mm -hmm. I got to tone it down. And it's the, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to sacrifice my own power. Yeah. To help, to imaginarily lift someone Well, and that's the, that's the downside of compromise. Compromise is a good thing if there's a gap between two people's beliefs or what they want to choose and you meet each other halfway. Conscious compromise is amazing. Is amazing. If you are unconsciously compromising, in a sense you are compromising before there is even a, a, like an external process to define, like you're like, oh, I assume the other person's not gonna wanna do what I wanna do, so I am going to already give up a whole bunch of this stuff without ever even discussing, without them asking me to do that. I'm just gonna assume that this is all off the table and I'm now gonna start at this. And that's the unhealthy part. And that's actually called sacrificing. Yes. But as you said that, I realized that that gets to that ask culture versus guest mm, culture mm-hmm. that this is totally unrelated to human design but it's but a, something... a useful segue yes for a brief segue so the gist is that there are some people who how do we explain this who just ask for things like yep. hey will you please pick up a pineapple regardless of what the favor is <laughs> the basically store. and 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 i i i think to step back one little bit to understand why we're doing the segue I think one of the challenges is we're all really complex beings. And so the behaviors that we exhibit are often the result of layer upon layer upon layer of factors and influences and stuff like that. So for instance, me walking up and asking a question is both partly the conditioning around a manifester and and how I do that is partly the conditioning around a manifester, partly the conditioning around a generator, but also partly this guess versus ask thing and so to try and explain a behavior using only one viewpoint i think risks oversimplifying it so this is why discussing this ask versus guess and and yeah like the 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 guess versus ask it it sounds it's really obvious when you think about it but it sounds kind of an artificial difference is that if you want something there is a whole subset of society who leans towards ask. You just ask what you want. The worst that can happen is they say no. And then there's a whole other subset who thinks it's rude to put someone else in the position of having to say no to you. So you should only ask for things that you are confident they're gonna say yes to. Which sounds really complicated, but it works really well within a small unit of people who understand the rules like a family, like my family. So you, you, the, the problem is you get an ask person with a guess person and it all breaks down. Like it just all doesn't work because the guest person isn't asking for what they want. They're just hoping that the other person will guess. And the ask person is asking and then the guest person's like, well, I can't say no, but so I guess I'll say yes and it creates conflict and it creates, and you can, if you look closely, you probably are, you know, in your nuclear family, you probably are all one type, I think, because it's, it's, it's a very, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's genetic. I don't think, I think it's all culturally learned. Mm-hmm. So whatever your parents were, you know, and, and if it's a healthy relationship, they probably are the same thing because I think it's a, a major breakdown in relationship potential or a major potential breakdown in relationships. But like you can see between, you know, the, that that aunt or that uncle or that, you know, the, the sibling's boyfriend or sibling's girlfriend, someone from outside of the family that comes in, that's where you'll see this friction happen where it's like, oh, they're just so pushy. They just keep asking for stuff. And it's like, no, they're asking for what they want. You have every right to say no. And if they take offense at you saying no, that is their problem. 
but that is so speaking as a guest culture person that it that takes so much effort to realize that someone else getting miffed that you say no is on them you did such a good job explaining that thank you um and i guess so i'm ask culture but i think yes. i've learned that i don't think i was i have no idea where my parents fall um but i have developed this mm. ask culture and so sometimes i'll ask you if you're willing to do something for me mm. and you kind of you say yes but it isn't it doesn't it's not sound <laughs> your energy it doesn't say yes but your word does and so i'll say to you you can say no and, and then, then i usually you, say no yeah <laughs> so, so this is how we handle this in this our is, relationship but and and that's because and that's the kind of thing and this gets to one of the things that we were talking about later it's 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 you 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 reframe i mean it seems clunky it seems artificial for you to say hey uh, can you make me a smoothie? And I say, yeah. And you're like, you can say no. And so I say, okay, then no. And you're like, okay, fine. And that's like, that's the encapsulated interaction. And that's okay. And it's really clunky. And maybe in three years, when you say, hey, can you make me a smoothie? I'll be like, not really. Do you, do you really need it? Or is it okay if I say no? And you're like, no, it's fine. And so you'll see it evolve to where it's more, uh, there's a check. Because if you're like, hey, look, can, can you come in here for a second? And I say no. And you're like, well, I'd, I'd really like you because, you know, I've cut myself. I need a, like, <laughs> he's lying yeah, on the floor so bleeding. lying on the floor bleeding. And I, I'd really, if it's not too much bother, can you come in, please? Um, but yeah, I, I am solidly in the guest culture. I, I was raised in the guest culture. I've seen friction when people from outside our nuclear family have asked for what they want. I've, I've seen friction within the family when there's, I mean, I don't want to talk in capital F friction, but just a little bit of that, like, huh, who, who are they? And that's something that we've really worked on. Um, and I think it's important. Like I, when, when we read, cause this is only recently that we came across this. It was on the comments for shoot. What was, well, I can't it was remember. Just some Facebook post. Yeah. Some Facebook post, but the post was about something. And then it was in the commenters that, that like there was this huge thread that was created that basically hijacked the purpose of the post to discuss this. And it was so profoundly eye-opening um, that, that we could probably do a whole episode on it some other time to help people. But that's why it was a, a worthy segue. But, but re-segueing from that, I think, um, into the, uh, into the, the shoulds. Um, which is another thing that we were talking about, um, how we really worked hard to reframe around should. This has been something we've been working on for quite a few years now. And it, it takes time because should is a really easy word to just slide in there being like, oh, I should take the garbage out now, or I should do this. And we've, we've really removed it from a lot of our vocabulary yeah the only time we use it is in italics yeah like when we're saying like well i should do this mm -hmm. yeah and it and that's and that's again an example of of that kind of clunky it took us saying oh i should do this and being like no no i want to do this or i get to do this or i would like to not have a stinky kitchen so I look forward, to, I will I will happily take the garbage out. Kind well, of. and it also being like, screw it. Who says I, <laughs> I should do it? do it? I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's the same thing as, as, as you just, do you really want to do this? And it gets back to the whole choice thing. And I think I've heard you explain it to people really effectively. You know, there's always a choice. Like should doesn't exist because you always get to choose what to do. It doesn't mean that you're not choosing to avoid a scenario that you really would rather not to have happen. It's not always positive choices from the sense of, I really am looking forward to taking out the garbage. This is the most fun thing. No, but it's like, I don't want vermin in our house and I don't want a kitchen that reeks. So I'm gonna take the garbage out. I don't wanna to go to jail, so I'm gonna pay my taxes. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's an important distinction when you talk about getting rid of should is that 
it just it's it's reframing how you're thinking about it in a as a choice rather than removing the fact that yes in layman's terms no one really likes taking out the garbage and it's something that you should do but there's a way around that thinking yeah and the reason i brought up shoulds for this conversation mm-hmm. is because i so i don't know when we first started our anti-should campaign like i don't know, let's say it was like eight years ago um <laughs> Shoulds don't sit well with me. Like, anyone shoulds on me, anyone nags me, Mm. it is like, oh, I have a visceral response to it. And learning human design, seeing that I've got an open crown and mental pressure is not for me, Mm. makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so sassy of my soul. My soul chose my mom to be my mom and... Love you, mom. She's got the the cross of... There's an actual right angle cross of planning. Like, she is here to plan other people's lives for her. And she's amazing at it. Yeah. And when she tries to plan my life for me, which actually she doesn't do. She just asks me questions. Mm-hmm. But it oh, it's just... It goes in the category of mental pressure. And I just feel like my head is going to explode. I already have my own pressure from my root and that pressure from the crown is just not for me. Yeah. And now knowing that it's not for me, anytime I hear a should, I'm like, Oh, that doesn't, that's not yeah, for me. You don't, you don't react strongly to it anymore. You're just like, Oh no, it's just, it's like, it's almost like a meditation. The thoughts are still there, but you don't have to chase each one down. You just let it go by. Exactly. Um, yeah, no. And you, you were, um, I think one of the examples you mentioned for the should was a lot of the early coaching that you had, business coaching, and how a lot of the business coaches were kind of working off a single playbook. And this is before you knew human design, so it was before you were armed with the knowledge of how you had chosen, your soul had chosen to kind of do stuff and work. Um, and, and how learning human, learning the human design thing kind of frees you from all the shoulds that, that you were feeling as a, you know, someone who's starting a business. Yeah, absolutely. So I think of it as these coaches were wonderful humans and the way I felt their suggestions was as bullying Mm. because they would, should all over me telling me for instance like if you're not making income you're not making impact if you're not making like the income you want then you're not making the impact you want Hmm. and that just didn't sit right for me but i was like well i really want to make an impact i feel like i'm making an impact but i want to make a bigger impact i want to make the biggest impact i can Mm -hmm. and so i'll try on this like drive to make tons of money yeah and to say like that's what i want in my business to make tons of money and learning human design i saw that my soul didn't check that box yeah it doesn't mean that i don't want to make money it doesn't mean that i am not going to make money it means that actually in terms of what drives me it just like it's not making money that your soul chose yeah the drive to make money There is some nuance to it because we all have so much baggage around money. Mm -hmm. But I I chose the the two drives to, one, to impact people Mm -hmm. and two, to give to my tribe in my own unique way, like from my gifts. Mm -hmm. No, and and I think that was the, I, I remember when you started embracing that money wasn't the main motivation I feel like the pendulum kind of swung and then it swung back to the middle. Like you're like, oh, money's not the main motivation. So it, ha- it can't be about the money. And then it was like, no, I'm allowed to still make money, but money is not the main motivation. Like, yeah. And money is not the main motivation. So if your soul chose to have your, for you to be driven by the desire to make tons of money, it's, it's because your soul is super sassy and like maybe you need to make tons of money so 
you buy yourself a yacht and then you go sailing and you go to this island and you meet your soulmate and you live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Your soul just like chose that map for you. And I happened to make meet my soulmate when I was making zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think the other um, the other side, not of the of the money side, but the other side of that coaching was was around the the advice and um, you you use the, I think you've you've mentioned this to a couple of people, and I think you're pretty passionate about making sure people understand that there is another path. And it's around being a, um, a non-specific manifester when the world of business coaching and instruction seems to be all built up by specific manifestors. Would you like to expound <laughs> slightly? I would love to get on my non-specific manifestor soapbox. Thank you. I also, before I step up there, I want to say something you just used, the word advice. And I just want to get on a smaller soapbox for mm -hmm. a second and just breathe into that and say... I hate advice. <laughs> that is so not what I am here to do. Mm -hmm. I've been on podcasts before and people say, what is your advice? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I have no advice about that because I truly believe that each one of us has the best answers for us. And that is why coaching is so powerful because we don't have our own agenda. We're mm -hmm. simply helping the client learn what's best for them. Okay. So now I'm going to step up out of my non-specific manifestor. So Fox, so yeah. Business coaches were telling me, Kelsey, you got to get super specific. You got to get super specific about like how much money you want to make this month and then it'll happen. You got to get super specific about your ideal client. Would, and, and they actually were always pushing me. They were like, what does she look like? And I was like, why is it a she? <laughs> uh, because I've never, ah, just, you know, what does your ideal client have for breakfast? What does she, what does she listen to on the radio? Oh. I don't know. I can make up a story. I can, you know. Lie to you. Yeah, I can totally lie to you. But it's not going to be true. And I did, finally I caved to the bullying for like a two-week period. And I tried to get super specific. And it was like my connection with everything around me came to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I was like, I don't understand what's going on, but I feel like I have zero flow in my business. I'm like not connecting with anyone. It just, nothing feels good right now. And then it was probably like a week later that I learned about being a non-specific manifester. So I learned that actually, if you're a non-specific manifester and you try to get super specific, you're gonna block your flow. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's what I did. And then as a non-specific manifester, we get it like the specifics are none of our business, which is why we can just make stuff up and not actually like manifest these specifics into being. What is our business is softening into what the universe offers us mm -hmm. and knowing that the universe is always going to bring us something way better than we can imagine. So our job is to say, hey, universe, please bring me abundance for being my authentic self. And when I first heard those words, I almost cried. It was like, that is everything I've wanted my whole life. Just bring me abundance of all kinds for being my authentic self. Please, can I just be me? Can I stop trying to play these games and make stuff up and tell these stories and form this strategy? That was freedom for me. So it's funny to watch you help me embrace being a specific manifester. <laughs> it's like a Hatfield trying to teach a McCoy how to be a McCoy. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's something that has been, you know, I, I get it. I see what they've been asking you to do. And uh, like, I'm, I'm slowly um, feeling my way into being embracing my specific manifesting and I have a couple of like it, it's been made very clear to me on a couple of instances that specific manifesting is absolutely how you know I'm going even though like that's that's what my human design says anyways do you um, remember the fridge yeah the fridge the the first time it happened was the parking spot on St. Armand's Circle during like full busy time this is this is a um place where there's like all sorts of um restaurants and and everyone goes there on the weekend and in in this is in sarasota 
and there's it's a circle you go in and you basically what everyone does is everyone drives around the circle looking for parking spots because there's parking on either side and all the side streets and this is before they installed a bigger parking garage and stuff like that so parking was always super tight um and you had just been talking we were we were in the camper still and you were just talking to me about specific manifesting um and i was just like I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, no, no, you know, this, this is, you know, what you, but you can't just picture it. You can't just picture it. You have to say, like, you have to say what it is and thank the universe for already having delivered it to you. You can't just, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, I want a pony. Because the universe is like, are you for reals? Do you really want that pony? I don't think so. You better thank me for that pony. You better be, show me the ear. And so I, I was like, you know what? Thank you. And I pictured a car pulling out right in, because I mean, the thing is you can, you can get an empty spot, but if you're not quick and it's not the perfect timing, then someone else is going to get it. And it was right in front of the restaurant. And I pulled up and the car pulled out and I was like, well, I'll be damned. And you're like, what? And I'm like, well, I just thank the universe for the parking lot. And I pictured in that corner of the circle, like corner of the circle, which sounds silly, but that's what it is basically. And we pulled in. And then there was a fridge where, I mean, the short version of the story is, I, we, our fridge broke and we had to go buy a new one and I was on the fence about fixing it or trying to get it fixed or buying a new one. And I said, fine, if we can go to Lowe's and buy a new fridge for, I don't know, $1,200, then it'll be worth it. And there was a random deal and the guy felt bad for us. I think it was like eight o'clock at night. And so after all said and done, I think the bill was with delivery $1,200 and 50 like $1,215 or something like it was closer than that. I, I remember it as being like $1 less than yeah. whatever number you had said. So it's, it's, it's true. It happens. Um, and you got to be careful what you ask for. Should have asked for a thousand dollars. Should we, should we tell the house story? The house story, the most recent manifesting experiment. Uh, Oh, like this house? No, that house. Oh yeah. So when we, we, um, we basically moved, chose to move down to Sarasota. We kind of ended up buying the house. We didn't really know a lot about the neighborhoods, but this seemed like a great house, good neighborhood. And I think it was within the first two weeks of going for walks with Mackay that just one neighborhood over, these big one acre lots, tons of trees, tons of space. And we were like, oh, this is like so pretty. And we walked by one house and we were just like, we we had just bought our house. And we walked by this house and we were like, ah, we could move there. That That's the house that we could move into after a couple, you know, once we'd settled down a little bit and we were ready to move. And then over the next year and a half, we were, yeah, yeah, not just we're going to, we're going to buy, like we're going to get, basically get that house, but it'd be great to be, and I was being specific because you've learned not to be. But I was like, I really want it to be one of those no realtor, like we know the owners and the owners are thinking about selling. So it's just no fuss, no muss, and there's no craziness and there's no, it's all just like a friend's deal. And so you started talking to one of the neighbors that we were friends in, in that neighborhood. Um, and I don't want to speak for your part of the the. Oh, the I just mentioned, yeah. Well, so if you ever know, anyone in your neighborhood who's looking to sell, we might be looking to buy. Yeah. And if nothing happened right away, they're like, all right, we'll keep that in mind. And then I think within just a couple of months. I, the timing doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. But we were walking, we're walking Mackay and this car pulls up to us and is, and I didn't recognize who it was yeah. at first. And he's like, I hear you're looking to buy in our neighborhood. We're walking in our neighborhood at the time. And I was like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, we already we live here. here. <laughs> um, and it turns out he's like, the house across the street from us, which happens to be the house. The guy's that looking to sell. Yeah. He doesn't want to use a realtor. Are you guys interested? And I think we both had that like, oh, crap. Um, well, it's not, uh, I don't know if we, I mean, yes. And, and so we were both like, yes, absolutely. We're, you know, we're very interested. And it, as it turned out, it wasn't the right house for us. Like it, it wasn't. Yeah, but, but the lesson I think the universe was showing yes. us is like, whoa, look at your power. Cause we both had the like, 
holy, we did that. Yeah. We just manifested that house to become. And it was actually like the part of the panic was also, we're not ready. Yeah. Like these houses are way outside our price range right now. And well, and that was the beauty of it that you explained as we were talking about this, as we were walking away shell-shocked going, oh, wow. Um, was that like, it's okay. That, like the, it's not like your one lottery ticket, one your, your one chance. You only get you know three wishes with the genie kind of thing. We we manifested it. It wasn't the right timing, and so we were able to be like, nope, thanks, not not right now. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Universe isn't like well, ingrates. Like look at what well, I did to get this for you. Exactly. The whole point of it wasn't to get the house. Mm-hmm. It was just to see our power. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's bring it back to the topic at hand, which I believe was uh, conditioning and human design and how those kind of intersect-ish. Um, and I think the last thing that we were thinking about talking about was intuition. And I find it hard to believe, but I think we have the same... Is it channels or gates? The same gates. We both have defined spleens and very lit up spleens. We have a, we are both highly intuitive according to our human design. Right. And that has not been something we have been living up until recently, right? Like you, you had kind of, I don't want to say squashed because that's, that may be the wrong verb, but maybe covered over with a blanket, your intuition? I shut it down. You shut it down. I know the moment I shut it down. Yeah. In college, sophomore year, I think, around exams, I knew that my grandmother died. Mm-hmm. But my parents didn't tell me for like three more days because they didn't want to tell me during exams. But what that did was just... It left me so like confused and yeah, because if if that's true, then someone would have should have told or not should someone would have told you, and so it can't be true, but you knew at some level that it was true. So yeah, I could see that being very confusing. And and then I was also like, and I don't want to know when people die. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't want to know like if people are gonna die. I don't want to know that people did die. I don't. I don't want to know that. A little bit more mystery. Yeah. So. I shut down my intuition, and then it wasn't until um, after coaching school, I met a lot of spiritual people and a lot of people who called themselves intuitive or, or and or they read tarot cards or whatever they did, and I would get a reading, and every time I'd be like a little disappointed because I yeah. was like, I know that. Yeah. And so I had numerous t- people tell me, yeah, Kelsey, that's because you can do this. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I had some people that I really trust their intuition, like really, truly admire them, like Meg Haynes, was like, Kelsey, you're one of the most intuitive people I know. And I was like, hmm, me? <laughs> what? Um, and then it was when I saw my human design chart and yeah. saw not only is are all the intuitive gates lit up but my incarnation cross which is the theme of my life is you're here to be intuitive for other people mm-hmm. and i i think i started laughing out loud as soon as i read that and was like okay i see you universe and and that's helped me just like totally step into it and own it mm-hmm. it's interesting because i don't have i can't recall any um big like oh i knew I knew this thing. Um, we were talking about it earlier, and there's there's things that I it's it's much smaller, and I think this is an important thing. Like intuition doesn't have to be about when people are gonna die or you know what big major things are gonna happen. Like, and I I have since I don't know if this like quote unquote works or not, but I yeah. have since said, hey universe, um. I still don't want to know when people are going to die. <laughs> so please just like send me the good stuff. I'm willing to fill, uh, I'm willing to embrace intuition. Just please just filter out the stuff that 
Yeah, because like there's things that when in conversations where I've, I haven't. There's no reason why I would know, but I'm like, oh, that's related to this thing. Like what you're talking about now, what you're struggling with now is related to this other thing. And I have started to share that. Whereas I don't know if I knew it before and just was like, you're talking out of your ass. And one of the things that I, I think it could be related to, um, my, my kind of like it, it needing to be something that I bring back into the fold, my intuition is like, I remember as a kid, my family was very much built on, you know, completely appropriately facts and backup. Like you don't say stuff unless you know, like unless you can source it, unless you can cite it, unless you have the report, unless you have the statistic that backs up your claim. Like in everything, it's not like everything was a debate, but there was that style to it. It gets back to our previous, see our earlier conversation, but discussion versus debate uh, in part one. Yes, Kelsey um, would say, Kelsey yes, would say debate. it is always a debate. Peter's like, no, 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 it was a discussion where people had opposing views and the whole thing was how many points you score about convincing the other person, which sounds exactly like a debate. Um, and I, I just remember being called out a lot by saying things and I mean, I had a nickname that was Peter Positive because my my family would always just like, you state that as if you are positive that that's true. And I'm, I'm sure I wasn't always right. Like, you know, I always thought until today, <laughs> I thought you were called Peter Positive because you were quote unquote too happy. No, it might have had a double entendre, but... The, the specific application of Peter Positive was my bold declarations of truths that I couldn't necessarily back up with facts, statements, figures, studies, um, which you had the very insightful observation. There was a brief, <clears throat> brief period of maybe a decade where I prefaced any statement that I think might have been intuition that just basically said, well, six out of 10. So I am sure there are some statistics that actually apply to six out of 10, but generally you could be confident that if I said six out of 10, whatever I was gonna say next was, it used to be completely made up, but maybe now is intuition. Maybe. You never know. But yeah, and I think that was born out of the need, the, the kind of acknowledgement that I should have some basis for this, and so I'll be like, well, people like stats, six out of 10. And you'll, you'll note the cleverness of six out of 10. It's, it's more than half, right? So it's not a 50-50. But it's non-committal. But it's, you're, not, you're not committing. Like there's plenty of wiggle room to have outliers and, you know, plenty of other people who, are, who have a different view. So six, I mean, seven, I probably could have gotten away with seven out of eight, sounding too aggressive. And nine is basically 100%. So I found I could I could just tip it over into generally more likely than not at six out of ten. Um, but yeah, and I think I think embracing intuition because it can be scary to know things and you don't know why you know them. Small things, big things, and that I think it's very and I don't think as a society we really embrace that. Um, no, and so as we're an, always in society is always asking us. How do you know that? Why do you think that? Yeah, like where's your stats? Where's your statistics? Show your source. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a wrong thing because conspiracy theories exist for a reason, even though they are many, Fa they facts many Facts matter. Yeah, exactly. Facts matter, truth matter, truth matters. But it's, it's, it kind of gets us back to the, where we started too, with the manifestors being told that they're, that they're not conforming, they're, they're too big, they're too much, they're too bright. Um, I think intuition gets lumped into that. I mean, not all manifestors are intuitive, but I think gets lumped into that same, no, this is different. That's an outlier. You might just want to delete that data point and just hide it over there um, so that you fit in better and you say six out of 10 and people believe you. Well, you also have the gift of spotting and explaining the facts. So you yeah. have this very logical gift. I've got no logic in my chart whatsoever. <laughs> No, it's true. It's, and I mean, I think that, so, so the six out of 10 may also have been 
the two parts of me, like the intuitive part, learning how to mask itself in such a way that the logical part would accept it. Yes. And it would get out the filter. And maybe your soul chose that gift for you because you selected a family that was going to be very fact-based. Mm -hmm. So here, here you go. Yeah. This will help you this. get through. You'll fit yeah. in. You'll be safe. Yeah. Cause if I was just, if I only had the intuition, then I think that would have would have been, been not fun. slaughtered. <laughs> I would have won no debates. Not that I won many debates. Because there was a significant age advantage. That's not fair. Um, it's hard to make a seven-year-old debate against a 13-year-old. Um, yeah. That's all I had to talk about. Did you... Is there anything that you wanted to cover? Or anything that you feel like... Any holes in this? No? No. I think you did an amazing job leading no thank you this conversation it was wildly so unplanned it was <laughs> and as a 2-4 pete doesn't know how good he is at things until somebody points it out to him so pointing it out to you you did an awesome job thank you very much thanks for being in charge sure. thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that conversation I really hope you got some epiphanies or some sort of ahas along the way. And I hope it resonated with you. And if it did, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at info at Now, if you want to dig into your human design, let's do it. Schedule your reading, your one-on-one -on -one reading at kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And if you want to dig in with your partner, we can do that too at kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And that can be with any sort of partner. It can be your romantic partner. It can be your child, your sibling, your best friend. It can be your business partner, whomever. The three of us will get together and we will play human design, which is so much fun. I just love the magic we discover each and every time. And you know what I, I figured out that I really love today? I love reading charts for people I haven't met yet because I love seeing basically seeing your soul and then meeting the human that comes with that soul. Oh, it's so fun. I love it. Okay. In other news, I also offer coaching around your design. So once we get your design, like once we've done a human design reading, then how are you going to follow that? What, what are you supposed to do? It's all an experiment and your human design is your North star. I help you learn, experiment, try, fail, do all the things to live in alignment with your design. So if that's something you want to explore, again, email me, info at kelseyabbott.com. If you want to play core with us, that happens on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can sign up each week at kelseyabbott.com slash core. And if you want totally free meditations, get those at kelseyabbott.com slash meditations. And finally, if you want to know what Pete does when he's not talking to me and to all of us, go to reefsmartguides.com. That's in the show notes in case I didn't enunciate clearly. That's all for this week. I love you. We got this and you're amazing. And I still want you to go forth and be awesome. <laughs>